1015 FM, 720 AM. k the talk of Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. One full hour of wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's bring on the tag team of Andrew Fish Fame. Joe DeFalco, and your host, Mark Hoke. <laughs> Angelo, Joe DeFalco, Andrew Fishfane, and Mark Hoke are going to fight for the blueberry donut in the box here in the Cadon Studios. Is that Studios. the cat in the case? No, it's even better. It's, it's the blueberry donut in the box. Are you ready for the fight? Who's gonna Who's gonna fight for the blueberry donut? Theory is gonna come in at the last minute and get it. Oh no, no, we are not letting Austin Theory. Oh, I can't. It's not Austin I can't Theory. Say it's Austin. just Theory. No, he. We're in here. We're allowed to say Austin Theory. He can be Austin Theory. It's okay. It's all right. He can be Austin. No, we'll just call him Austin. It's all right. You know, he can he can use his name. We're all friends here. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> God, don't even get me. St- well, we are going to get started. Oh, absolutely, we are. Welcome to the Mark Hoke Show, everybody. The number one professional wrestling show here in Las Vegas. Angelo's pumped up. Angelo, you should have watched Money in the Bank last night, so you could have experienced the disappointment and sorrow that everybody else did yesterday. You know, I could have, but you know, I was out making some that good old Monet. So. Well, there was Monet in the bank last oh, night. Oh, good Lord. Here in Las Vegas. But, of course, I'm Mark Hoke. Thanks for being with us. Andrew Fishfane. That's me. Who is rubbing in my face with my Orioles jersey, who had two walk-offs against the Minnesota Twins the last two nights. Go against them. Thanks. Thanks, Fish. Hey, anytime. It's Brian Roberts, baby. I'm glad you lost your bets. Ha-ha. Thanks. Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling on the Line. Joe, you got to come in the studio with us. We, you know, I I would love to see your smiling face every morning. Why don't you come in and have breakfast with us? I, I'll buy you breakfast. Well, move the show to ten a.m. and I'm there. <sighs> We're here. Come join us. It'll be fun. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, tired. Just wake it up. Did Did you get to enjoy your money in the bank? Uh, I watched it. I didn't get to enjoy it, but I did watch it. Oh, there are a lot of sad people in Las Vegas. No, it's not. I don't think they're sad. I think they're perplexed. Yeah, I, that might be a good word for it. I mean, you know, this was an really honest to God was an amazing week in pro wrestling. You went from Forbidden Door on Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. We had blood and guts, and a, a wild night there. For AEW on Wednesday on Dynamite. And then we go to the uh, WWE Premium Live event. I feel like I got to do the Vince McMahon walk when I say that, too. Here in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand last night. Just, you know, a terrific week with just a thud of an ending. Yeah, that, and that, that's the uh, exact way to put it. It was an absolute thud of an ending. And as I said to you... What to me is the most ridiculous part about it is as soon as they announce that he's in the match, you know who's winning the match. All right. So let's 
let let's start with money in the bank. Let's start with money in the bank. We we got a, a lot of fun, feel good, exciting moments that led to, as you can tell, just a weird, weird end to the night. So let's let's run this thing down. So kicking off money in the bank, the ladies got things rolling. And I, and I have to say, it wasn't exactly the cleanest <laughs> ladies money in the bank match. A, a few rough spots. But when when there are ladders involved like that, you're always going to have rough spots. Yeah, but this one was a little tough. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just say Shotzi didn't have the, the nicest night. Uh, I don't know if she the, knows the, where she is right now. The ladders did not were not her friend. A couple different places, and uh, Shotzi kind of got, got busted open the hard way. Towards the end of this one. But Liv Morgan ends up winning the ladies' money in the bank ladder match. Were you surprised by the decision to have Liv win it? Nah. Nah, I mean, you know, most of the women could have won that and everybody would have been fine with it. Um, I'm just, I thought they were going to have uh, Rodriguez, Rachel Rodriguez win it. Yeah, Raquel was... Raquel was, Rodriguez, Ra- sorry. Raquel was looking good. Um, I, it seemed like the only person that everybody didn't want to win that match last Becky night... Becky Lynch. No, it was Lacey Evans. She was getting booed very heavily. I don't understand that either. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but Miss Red, White, and Blue on July 4th was getting, every time she climbed a ladder, was not uh, getting a very nice reception. But uh, eventually Liv Morgan does win the match, and she was very popular decision with the crowd. And Miss Money in the Bank now. So, <laughs> well... No, Miss Money in the Bank then. Yes. Well, <laughs> I say now because I'm trying not to give anything away then, yet. As the crowd's going crazy, she goes back, she does her interview, and you know, says, hey, you know, it's a, you know, WrestleMania might be a nice time to It's just an honor in, to be here. But I'm yeah. just going to celebrate and blah, 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 blah. So the next match, Bobby Lashley's taking on Theory for the U.S. title. And, and I thought the, the match was going to end with Lashley winning via DQ. Well, Lashley wins the title. Which, to me, was shocking. At the time, shocking. So, Theory is dethroned. Bianca Belair crushes Carmella. Not a shock. So, she no, retains. And, and, you know, I was thinking about it. We talked about Carmella beating up Bianca afterwards. I think they did it so people thought would think that Liv would come down and try to cash in the case then when Bianca got beaten up by Carmella. Well, she did nothing. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was like, it was like in a, at the end of a bar fight where... You know the girl that loses, like ah, I get mad at you. It was it was just stupid. Uh, that, well, that's, to be honest, that's Carmella's character. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Whatever, Carmella. Sorry, love you, sweetie. Go away. Just be happy with Corey Graves. The Usos and the Street Profits match of the night. I mean, those guys. And I got to tell you, you know, I don't know if it was just because the Street Profits when they were the champions. We're doing it during the pandemic time, and there were no crowds. But this match, the psychology of the the match and the way these guys went, I mean, and Montez Ford put on some muscle mass. He is looking amazing. But those four went at it last night like I haven't seen them go in a long time. Looked terrific. Uh, The Usos get the win, and... Not without some controversy. Montez had his shoulder up, so they're setting up a rematch with that, and I want to see it now. I'm actually excited to see those four go at it again. But the Usos retain. Uh, Ronda Rousey beats Natty, 
And then all of a sudden, of course, Ronda gets a knee injury during the match. And all of a sudden, Liv Morgan's music hits. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Isn't, isn't that how Alexa Bliss did when she won the Money in the Bank in the same night, cashed um, it in? I can't remember if she pulled that stunt. But Liv comes out and cashes in the case, and Ronda actually gets her in an ankle lock. And Liv gets away, rolls Ronda up, pins her, and Liv Morgan is now the WWE's SmackDown, Smackdown Women's, Women's Champion. Champion. And Ronda actually like gave her gave her her, her her moment in the spotlight. Yep. So Liv cashes in. So that lasted a whole hour and a half. And then we have the men's match. Oh boy. So all the guys get introduced, and then Adam Pierce comes out and says, Hey, there's nothing better than a big surprise. Let's add one more. And out comes Theory. Now, Joe, when you're oh. booking something, isn't it obvious when you add someone like a Theory to that match, isn't it obvious at that point that that's who's going to win the match? In certain situations, but honestly, I think Theory is a guy that nobody would have... Figured he was going to win. Had he been, had he you been know, in the match? I'll to be, be honest with you, I I was half asleep at that point, and I heard the introductions, and I kind of dozed, and then I woke up, and I'm like, "What is Austin Theory doing there?" And then all of a sudden, he's grabbing the thing, and he wins the match, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" And it's like. I don't know. I don't know how it makes any sense to be honest with you. It's like, you know, I get it. They want to put Lashley over, and oh, they want to make these secondary titles important. And it's like, yeah, no, they don't. Uh, you know, I like Theory a lot, but the way they they present him doesn't make him special in any way. So. I don't know how it's going to change anything. You know, you're making him this cowardly heel to begin with. So, you know, I'm a big fan of his if they actually, you know, uh, treated him right. But it's kind of like, you know, I love, I like Ricochet a lot. They made him intercontinental champion. And, you know, until he lost the title, he didn't win a match unless it was, a, you know, I don't think he really won any matches. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to have him lose all these non-title matches. And, that, and that's how they present those secondary champions. And, you know, uh, theory winning, it's like, you know, you, you you heard the pop for Drew. It's like if McIntyre would have won, I think people would have really cared. It's like, does anybody think theory is going to cash in on Brock Lesnar? And that was our point is how do you – where do you go from here with Theory? Because you can't take the belt off of Reigns with Theory, and you certainly can't have Theory beat Lesnar. Yeah, this is a mess. I, I uh, do... Maybe maybe it's uh, because of Cena coming back. Maybe uh, he puts the case in the line uh, against John Cena. John Cena wins, and then John Cena has the case. There – and, you know, and going through this match – yeah, well, actually, heading into it, you know, I looked at this and there were uh, quite a few people, honestly, that you could have done a lot with this had they won. Drew McIntyre, yes, he makes sense. Moss doesn't make sense. Almost doesn't make sense. And by the way, he didn't look good in this match. 
No, but I did, I, I did like the giant body slam through the, the table. The, the, the seven that. guys picking him up, cool spot. Yeah. Wait, you mean the one that didn't go through the table where he kind of slid? That's yeah, the one. <laughs> but, but, but cool idea. Okay, we got to get rid of the giant, so let's let's all pick him up. Riddle would have made sense. Sami Zayn, that could have been a torturous, funny thing to do if he had the case. Seth Rollins torturing Roman Reigns for six months makes sense. Sheamus, guy who actually cashed in on Reigns before, makes sense. But Theory eh, just... I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, but Theory... Makes the least amount of but, sense. But just... And here's what I'm worried about. You know, I like Theory, too. Great young wrestler. But I feel what's what could happen to this guy is... This is the, another guy that Vince is shoving down everybody's throats. And a good young talent like him could get burned down in everybody's eyes. And the reaction to him winning on, in, you know, just on social media as an example right now has been horribly negative. And the, the backlash that is going to go against this guy could be disastrous to his career. You think about what happened to Roman Reigns and what happened to John Cena. And, you know, you know, Fishy brought this up, even though he's a heel, but he's going to get a lot of go-away heat. We don't want this guy. And, you know, to do that to a young guy, I think is could really, really hurt him a lot. What's going to make or break it, ridiculously or not, is going to be what happens this coming Monday, tomorrow night on Raw, how they handle it, because they have to handle it perfectly out of the gate. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I think theory, the relationship with theory is more like when Drew McIntyre got pushed down everybody's throat, right. the chosen one, and not really those other guys. Yeah, it's 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 a very similar thing. Look what happened to Drew. Well, that's what I said is because when when they put when he pushed Roman Reigns, when he pushed John Cena, they were both being pushed as faces, and people could say, "We don't believe this guy. We don't want this guy as a face." When it's a heel, it's a lot easier because you could. But you're right; it could be go away heat, but could also be they're booing him because he's a heel, and he does a great job of being a heel. The problem is, it's unbelievable that he that he could beat Reigns or Lesnar. Yeah, you still have to build the story, no matter what side it's on. You still have to build that story; it still has to be believable. And when you when you think about the story, this still has to be a guy that you've got to buy could be the world heavyweight champion. And when you put these guys like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and John Cena is now going to be involved in this picture too. We think you've got to you've got to see this guy at that level, and you don't because the the you other don't. the other the other storyline of the way it goes is you have Reigns beat Lesnar at SummerSlam, and then Reigns and McIntyre face off at the, the Clash at the Castle. McIntyre beats Reigns at the Clash at the Castle, and then Theory catches in on McIntyre. I mean, do you see what we're doing right now? We're trying to rationalize this somehow. Well, they have to because and they, we can't. We I mean, can't. that's the only way you can do it is have McIntyre lose to Theory at the Clash at the Castle. It's a mess. So, and by the way, this is the Mark Hoke Show on KDWN 1015 FM, 720 AM. Joe DeFalco on the line with us. Andrew Fishfane looking amazingly. No, no, don't do that. Wow. He just pointed the gun and did the wink. Don't ever do that again. You can do that to Angelo. I'm movie, like Massey or. Angelo Angelo killed his mic. (laughs) That's a two-minute penalty. No, and I'm Mark Hoke. Thanks for being with us on the number one pro wrestling Mark Hoke. Oh, God, no. You're part of Max Dupree's uh, Maximum Models now. Please, the love of God, don't. No, no, no. (laughs) No, but like I said, I, I just, 
I just think that this is too soon for theory. I, it doesn't. It it's doesn't not even work. about too soon. It's that there's no place to go with it. No, I I don't see this. I don't see this going well. well he can, he can lose. It isn't like he has to cash in and win. That is true. Yeah, but if you do that, then there was no point in giving him the case to begin with. Well, they think maybe they're going to give him the rub a little bit. You know, maybe you know again. A lot of people, you talk about Cena, a lot of people thought that John Cena, when he was doing his rapping gimmick in the beginning, was a guy that was amusing, but he was not considered a a guy that we're going to look at as the heavyweight champion. You know, so maybe Vince feels, you know, the same similarities w- with the theory. I could see reasoning behind why, that Vince is enamored with him. I, I think Theory's awesome, but I don't think he's presented that way. And then all they got to do is kind of tweak the way they they present him to, to you know being taken more serious. Now whether they will or not, you know it's WWE. Probably not. Do you think the original plan was for Cody Rhodes to win the Money in the Bank? Probably. That's what everybody says, but you know, yeah. And again, you want to talk about see it coming. Well, if Cody Rhodes was in there, you know, we would have seen it coming that he was going to win. You know, not all the time seeing it coming. is, You know, w- would people feel differently if Theory actually qualified to be in the, in the money in the bank and then won? Would they be less irritated by it? I you would know, be. If, diff- if, he had, if he had qualified and was in the match, I wouldn't have expected him to win. When he was announced as the eighth and, and surprise entrance, I knew at that point he was going to win. See, I mean, I, I I wasn't sitting there. Like I said, I was half asleep when they announced him. I I just don't think I w- the way they're presenting Austin Theory. I would think, okay, he's got put in this match because of Vince McMahon, but he's still not winning. You know what I mean? And then that that's my opinion on it. Now you think, hey, I see it happen a lot. I think Barry's put in this match and he's going to win. Like, to me, he's still the fourth or fifth choice, you know, that you would think it would be a, a you know, in reality, it's, it's Drew, it's Seth Rollins, and and Riddle. And I don't think Riddle's winning. I just think a lot of people would have liked to see Riddle win. So, in reality, it's Seth or Drew that you can see is the guy that can win money in the bank and go on and become the heavyweight champion. Now, that's that's the way I perceive it, but everybody's going to perceive it different. And, you know, they're geared toward the fans who probably have no idea what they're thinking. They're just like, oh, okay, this is great. You know, and, and I was just going to ask you, Joe, you narrowed it down to two there. If, if you were the guy booking this, and, of course, Joe runs Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, if you were picking somebody to do that, because, you know, I think the plan probably was to go to Cody. But if you were with Cody out, who would you have picked to have taken that spot? I would have I would have picked Drew McIntyre because he was the guy uh, most realistic. And if you wanted to have him as the guy to beat Roman Reigns. Now, we had a dilemma. We just had our own version of the uh, Money in the Bank cash in the case at the last show. And we had seven people in it. And you kind of wrote off a couple of young guys, giving them their first opportunity. But for me, I prefer in the perfect situation to have the heel 
be the guy who has the, has that case. Because if he if the, if the heel has the case, you know, heels do bad things. So even though you have the case, they're not really doing a bad thing by taking advantage of a situation. But a heel is more geared to do that. With an injury, you come in and, and you steal the win because – that's what heels do. They steal the win. A guy like Drew McIntyre or Riddle, they're supposed to be stand-up guys. So they're the ones who are going to be like, hey, next week on Raw, I'm cashing in the case. And that's how I perceive it as, that it, it's kind of a cheap way for a baby face to win. So when we decided who we were going to put over, we put over a, a marginal mid-card guy that really hasn't had a run. Uh, he's part of a group, but in our situation, you could cash in for you know any title. So with his group, you know you look at him and you say, well, you know he can go after the tag titles. He can go after the no limit title. Odds are he's not going after the heavyweight title. While in WWE, you win that match and you're supposed to go after a main title. So it makes it even more difficult difficult you know who cares if almost has it and and you know you brought up Seamus and I think Seamus yeah is a guy capable but again it's the way he's presented and I think he's not presented as a top tier guy at this point I think if the belts were split and there was back to the universal and the w and the heavyweight championship then I could see theory winning it and 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 then taking out whoever it is that he's going to take out. But now you have no you have no foil for him. He, there's, he's never had any interaction with Roman Reigns whatsoever. I would have had Seth Rollins win because that, you could have gone so many different ways with Seth I, Rollins winning the case. And I think that's who I would have picked too at this point. I the the whole history well, because that, he, that would that would rebuild him immediately after going zero seventeen against Cody Rhodes. And and you have the history. Just you know, just that recent match that they had with Rollins and Reigns, you have that situation where Reigns didn't beat him. It was that DQ match, and all that history you have between the the two of them. Plus, let's you know, just say Lesnar beats him coming up here at SummerSlam. You've got all that history, history between, between Rollins and Lesnar. Between Rollins and Lesnar, and and plus, you know, could you imagine Rollins with the character he has right now? Just running around for five months. Hi guys. Or, <laughs> not even that. What about coming what about coming into SummerSlam and doing what he did at WrestleMania, cashing in and making it a triple threat between all of a sudden it, it's his well, repeating I, himself. I, I wouldn't do the same trick twice. But just having him torturing those oh, guys absolutely. for for months would would be because people, exciting and because fun people still and, like Seth Freakin Rollins even though he's a heel. Yeah. So you could absolutely have him do that with the case. I think I and think then he loses the, and then he holds on to the case and loses at the Cody Rhodes again when he comes back. <laughs> or he could do that too. I mean, I think or, Riddle. Or you guys are totally, totally missing the boat. Maybe Austin Theory's going to cash in on Bobby Lashley, and you're all wrong. They could do that too. <sighs> that that would just, I mean, that would be very typical, but it yeah. it would just be ridiculous. Yeah. But but I maybe I, he wants that U.S. title back. Well, you know, everybody has dreams of what they want. That's what dreams are made of. Oh, good lord! <laughs> See, I, I, and my my problem is I don't know how much Cena is going to be involved. Yeah, well, we're going to find out soon enough. All right, well, we are going to be headed to a commercial break here, and when we come back, 
hey, we're going to talk a little AEW because, hey, we can't forget. All right, I'm going home then. There was some pretty, <laughs> <laughs> there was some pretty crazy stuff that went on at the Forbidden Door pay per view too, and you know, maybe we'll talk a little John Cena because, of course, he had his. Uh, I also heard there's some more unhappiness, and uh, the uh, FSW former tag team champion is going to be debuting next Friday. Oh, well, hey, we can talk about that as well. Fantastic. Yeah, maybe Joe Joe send me a text and let me know what's up with that so we can uh, hit that hard as well. So stick around for more here on the Mark Hoke Show here on KBWN, 101.5 FM, 720 M. Mark Hoke, Joe DeFalco, Andrew Fish Fane. Stick around for more the best pro wrestling news and entertainment you're going to get here in Las Vegas. We'll be right back. Want more of the Mark Hoke show? Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke show. Like us on Facebook at the Mark Hoke show and visit Mark to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at The Mark Hoke Show and download our podcasts at markhokeshow.podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join The Mark Hoke Show family today, and thanks for listening. 1015 FM, 720 AM, KDON, the talk of Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke. Yeah. Hi. That's me. Ah. Mark Hoke. Hey. Stop it. I am not a maximum model. I am dead sexy. I was dead sexy anyway. Mark Hoke. Hey. Stop it. I fish. I don't know what to do with you. You and your slightly coral hair—it's blue, Dodger blue. I'm gonna—I'm gonna put you in Zoolander. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> gonna have, a, have a gasoline fight with your orange mocha frappuccino. Mm, I, I can't even say mocha frappuccino. What's going on, Angelo? Help! Say something. Help! Help! I guess. <laughs> <laughs> This show is off the rail. It is unbelievable. The Mark Hoke Show, number one pro wrestling show here in Las Vegas. I'm Mark Hoke along with Andrew Fishbein, Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling. Joe, what do you have going on? I I, I hear some of your guys are going to be getting busy on AEW. What's going on? Well, they did a lot of work uh, during when AEW was in town. We probably had... 10 to 15 of our guys got to uh, uh, perform on the show. But, you know, besides Brian Cage, uh, we got a big signing with uh, our guy Toa Leona. They brought him in as uh, part of uh, Tully Blanchard Enterprises, wrestled at the the Ring of Honor show they did, and now uh, the Gates of Agony, as they're called. Uh, I guess they're debuting on AEW Friday night, and I saw that they were going to be wrestling uh, Jonathan Gresham and a partner. So that's a big match for those guys. That's awesome, and and those that guys are fantastic. And those guys are pretty talented. I did get to see them a couple of times on Joe's shows, and they are fantastic. So, well, good for them, man. And that's that's what Future Stars of Wrestling does. You get to see some terrific people working their way up, and they end up wrestling on the big time man so congratulations joe 
Yeah, you know, uh, Toe was a guy. He got uh, trained at uh, Rikishi School of Hard Knocks, which the connection was, uh, you know, there was a GCW show in, at our venue. And when I first got introduced to Toa, uh, he basically got sent to me by uh, Rikishi's son, who is now Solo Sokoa. And he said, you need to go see Joe. You, you know, and he was a guy who was a big dude, looked like a monster, relatively inexperienced. And you could tell early on, like with, with, with Solo or Sefa, since that's how I know him, that this guy had a lot of potential. And, you know, it was kind of crazy that as, as inexperienced as he was, and we knew he had, you know, definite potential, you know, it kind of took us by surprise that uh, they reached out and, you know, they used them, which is great, but that they actually signed him to a contract and now are putting him in a, in a good situation. So he's a great dude, humble, you know, and, you know, you see certain guys when you're coming through and, and a guy like Cross and Hammerstone and, and Solo Sokoa, like you, Chris Bay, like you knew there's something special about him. And it was the same thing with Toa. It just turned out that he ended up, you know, moving up the ranks way quicker than even we expected. Do you, do you get a sense of pride when, when former students of yours or former people who started FSW make it to the quote-unquote big time at AEW or WWE? Uh, you know, absolutely. And it's not only the guys that you sign. It's like, you know, in 2009, uh, you get emails from people all over. You're a new company, whatever. And when you get one from a guy like Brian Cage, who, uh, you know, had a taste of developmental in 2009, was looking for some work, uh, heard good things about him, you know, brought him in. And at the time, you know, he had a tag partner and they were working, you know, up and down California. His name was Sean Ricker. And the first time we saw him, like, holy crap, this guy's, this guy's awesome. He's going to make it to the next level. And, you know, now he runs uh, the top male modeling agency in WWE. <laughs> hey, good work if you can get it, you know. That's the way it goes. Uh, well, bumps he's taking these days, Max Dupree. <laughs> yes, Mark Hokey. Stop it. You cannot do that. Well, I guess it's better than Hokey Pokey, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll survive. Well, of course, on uh, last Sunday, we had the AEW Forbidden Door pay-per-view, the joint promotion between New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Elite Wrestling. And I don't want to go through the whole card. There were just a ton of matches on there. But there were some significant developments that took place. Of course, John Moxley won the AEW Interim World Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi. One thing that surprised me about this match was, man, I'll tell you what, Tanahashi had a lot of crowd support in this. And a lot of people knew who Tanahashi was. And and really, when, you, when I watched this card, uh, the Japanese wrestlers had a lot of support on this thing. It was a pretty knowledgeable crowd. And... I almost wonder if you're going to see more of the Japanese wrestlers showing up on AEW. You know, they kind of dipped the toe a little bit when you saw Suzuki um, and she popping up here and there. But do you guys think we're going to see more of the Japanese wrestlers showing up on AEW? And is there any chance maybe WWE is going to take a shot on this after the success of this pay-per-view? I don't believe they will, but I think Suzuki, 
I think the AEW fan base knows who they are. I think most people who were watching at home probably had no idea who they were. But those those AEW fans, they follow so much wrestling. And that's why, you know, New Japan could go out and draw really well. But their percentage of, you know, I heard early on that the buy rates weren't very good because people weren't that excited about it because the majority of fans really aren't up on the New Japan stuff, but AEW fans are. So they're going to have a better draw on the house. And plus, you know, who is WWE going to use? New Japan's got an agreement with AEW. So what guys can WWE use if New Japan has the, you know, has the deal right now? Well, you know, it was interesting you mentioned about those those buy rates because they actually it was I think let me and I'm trying to find that uh find that information here real quick. But they had I th- I believe it was there were 39% of people that bought this pay-per-view hadn't bought double or nothing. So there were a lot of new people that bought this pay-per-view, which I I thought was pretty interesting. You know, nearly 40% of people that hadn't watched Double or Nothing watched this one. I mean, that's that's kind of a, an intriguing number to see that you're bringing but in a, it, a, a different fan base on this pay-per-view. It so. is, but... It is, but what's the number? It was you like... It I was mean? 120... Like, I think it was 127,000 people bought the pay-per-view. Well, that's actually, uh, I think, would be considered pretty solid. But again, it's... If 40% bought it, that means those were all the New Japan fans that weren't fans of AEW and they were excited because Okada was on the show and things like that. Because you got to remember, you know, New Japan got that influx a few years back with Ring of Honor and, and it was a big deal when Okada and Suzuki and all those guys, you know, finally came to the United States. It wasn't a huge fan base, but, you know, that was part of, you know, when Omega and all those guys, those were New Japan guys that came over. And then later on, you got guys like Moxley and Chris Jericho wrestling there. So, you know, yeah, that that, that to me is a pretty good number, 120,000. That's that's about 110,000 more than Impact. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Poor Impact. <laughs> they went without doing anything. They went from being, you know, Almost the the a number two promotion to being a distant third, if that. Yeah, sorry to see that. Uh, might be fourth. Exactly. Yeah, and it might be fifth. I think they're behind GCW. Yeah, and FSW. <laughs> that too. <laughs> that is wow. You guys are something else. Well, and, <laughs> and we had the the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match in there, which was. And and really up and down the card, it was you know, terrific wrestling all the way. Um, Jay White, Hangman, Adam Page, uh, Akata, and Adam Cole, which unfortunately had a was a terrific match until they had a really abrupt ending because Adam, Adam Cole, Cole got collapsed, injured, yeah, collapsed. Uh, and it, what what is the update on Adam Cole? He is still out. Um, he had a sh- he was going in there apparently with a shoulder injury, but got a really bad concussion. And if you didn't see the match, uh, White. Did a switchblade to Okada and then just jumped on Cole, who had fallen over in the corner, and covered Cole. Got the one, two, three, and it was over. Um, so Adam Cole goes on the shelf 
with all of these other guys in AEW, because of course we've got Punk out, we've got Brian, uh, Brian Danielson out, we have Jeff Hardy out. For Hart, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, self, well, you do self-inflicted. It's still, but he's out. out. Both the guys in Red Dragon are out. I mean, this the the AEW roster. For thank God they've got a lot of guys on it because decimated. They are decimated at the moment. I mean, this is this is and, and maybe I'm going to say, see, that's why WWE a lot of times doesn't want to build those guys up because they're smaller. And look at them; they they only run one or two times a week. Imagine running that schedule in WWE of five, six days a week. You know, they always talk about certain guys, and it's like WWE will say, uh, you know, Adam Cole, why isn't he getting on the main roster? Why isn't he a big deal there? And it's like because they have a hard time really wanting to push too many guys that are five, 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 six that aren't, you know, more than 160 pounds. And there's a lot of wear and tear, especially on the style of wrestling that those guys present. Well, and that was something that I was going to ask you, Joe, is is the style of wrestling that AEW does, is it too much for these guys to take? And, you know, you look at what happened with Jeff Hardy, you you kind of wonder, you know, the match that he had with Darby Allen, where they, you know, they, they were just doing a, a first round match in that Owen Hart tournament, and they decided to make it a no-holds-barred you know, crazy ladder match, and they didn't have to do that. And all of a sudden, Hardy gets hurt, and within a week, you know, and you know, they have the the match with the Young Bucks, and Hardy, you know, really didn't perform well because he was all busted up. And then he gets a DUI, and you wonder if that match contributed to that because he was in pain and he goes and gets drunk, and you know, you you kind of feel like. Was he doing that to drown out the pain? Yeah, one thing from, well, one thing leads to another. Led, led to another. Is that is the style of some of the things that they're doing in there too much for some of these guys to take, and do they need to back off a little bit? Well, I think the main issue is, you know, as I said, with WWE, whether you like it or don't like it, you know, they try to tone down, I guess you can say, what, what what people do inside the ring. And, you know, the pure wrestling fan wants to see the coolest stuff possible. Well, for Tony Khan, he wants his company to be bigger than WWE, so he has to go out of the box. And how is that? Well, let's get our most athletic people and let them have them do cool, crazy stuff. That way people pay attention and notice it. Now... If they ran five or six days a week, it would probably implode. But when you're only doing one or two tapings a week and and one pay per view every four months, you know the, there is a lot of time, and maybe that's the rhyme or reason of why that roster is so big, because they take into consideration how many guys are going to be on the shelf. That you say, yeah, well, look at this, and as you said. You know, Red Dragon, the Bucks have been up and down recently. And, and you know, all these other guys get hurt where, you know, they have 30 guys that you could put in the main event spot. But at most times, you know, only 20 of them are available because there's something going on. So, you know, unless they go six days a week, I think they'll be fine. They just have to monitor what's going on and, you know, and, and, you know, you talk about WDB giving people time off. Well, 
this is a forced way, I guess, of getting time off. That if you're banged up, hey, don't worry about it. You're still going to get paid. And, you know, we have somebody else who could get in that spot. But maybe they're not afraid of losing the spot. Where a lot of times if people are injured, they're going to work through it especially in the WWE, because if you're in a decent position, you don't want to lose that position to somebody else. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, but my problem with the deep roster is that they'll have now uh, events and, and storylines that you'll get so invested in, but then somebody will come back and they'll get thrust into the storyline because they're that big name, and they have to be thrust in because they are the name, whether it's Brian Danielson or Adam Cole or whomever, or Kenny Omega when he comes back, and then all that the months of work that you've had building up to whatever the build is is goes by the wayside because now Kenny Omega's back. Well, yeah, and that's why maybe you're hearing inklings that Santana wants to leave AEW. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's another name that you I know. I left there off was the list, guy the they came in as one of the most hot. They were probably the hottest tag team, you know, even over. You know, Pentagon and Phoenix at the time, LAX, they've come in, and in reality, they've been nothing but stooges for Chris Jericho the entire time. And a guy like Santana, who's, you know, 26, 27 years old, whatever, if he's 30 years old, you know, he he went there looking for, you know, big things, and they probably made big money, but it's similar to Brian Cage. You're making big money, but you want to wrestle. And a lot of these guys aren't getting that opportunity because, as you said, now they sign Claudio, and now they sign, you know, Daniel Bryan, and now they sign, and now they sign, you know, you know, look at Miro. Everybody thought he was going to win. He doesn't win. Are we even going to see him again for the next six months? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be tricky. We'll see where all that turns out. And speaking of, uh, you mentioned Claudio. He showed up as with, of course, Daniel Bry- or Brian Danielson was on the shelf and was supposed to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr., who made his AEW debut at Forbidden Door. But uh, we we got a pretty good substitute as Claudio Castagnoli, of course the former Cesaro, took his place and got the win over Zack Sabre Jr., who may be the, uh, the best technical wrestler in the world. And, uh, of course, then Claudio wrestled in that Blood and Guts match on Wednesday night. Uh, your reaction to... Claudio Castagnoli now in AEW and what he's going to be doing. That's a pretty exciting signing, I think, for AEW guys. What do you think? I was surprised he won, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, they were going to try to put some of the the bigger name New Japan guys that maybe weren't champions go over, and they really didn't. So I, I don't know if I see a really long-term relationship because it, it became more of New Japan putting over uh, the AEW guys like that. You know, you brought in, and again, you know, hey, the the replacement's coming in. But, you know, if you're going to showcase, and uh, Zack Sabre hasn't really had a lot of opportunities in the United States, you would think this would have been the time to have a big high-profile match against Cesaro and beat him. But they didn't go that route, so... It's interesting to me looking at it in the political sense of the two companies. Yeah, that was—I mean—that was kind of a tough spot. I mean, Osprey went over on Orange Cassidy, uh, which well, know, wasn't a surprise. Even that—that that was a really good match. But uh, I, I think that one was kind of a trade-off to have Saber lose, but Osprey win. Uh, you know, but boy, you couldn't—well, you couldn't have Castagnoli take a loss there right off the bat. 
know, I mean, you maybe could have done a count out or a, a double D, you know, something along those lines. But I, yeah, but they don't want to do that in those type of shows. If they do, they want to do it as little as possible. But you know, Orange Cassidy is a low mid card guy. Him losing, if he would have won, I would have been like stunned because it was also, I believe, a title match. But you know, yeah, you can go either way with that. But I just thought, you know. New Japan's presenting Zack Sabre Jr. You know, this is his first really big high-profile match in the United States. You know, I would have thought that they would have wanted him. And again, I don't think Cesaro losing does anything, as we've seen. You know, Seth Rollins lost three times in a row, and, and people expected him to probably win the, the money in the bank and then cash in against a guy like Reigns. So, again, it's, it's how you're presented. So. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Of course, this is the Mark Hoke Show here on KDWN 101.5 FM, 720 AM. Number one pro wrestling show here in Las Vegas. And we're talking a little Forbidden Door pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, by the way, I I, I got to take a little... Fish's favorite pay-per-view of the year. It was a good one. I tried to get you to go, Fish. I know. Yeah, you should have. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> I, I I do want to say because I don't know if we're gonna get a chance to talk about it. The one thing that happened this week that I thought was very interesting was the John Cena twenty year uh, Raw special, and it's nothing about that, but the fact that they had Big Show, Brian Danielson, and Chris Jericho all p- doing videos for the WWE on that show, I thought was very interesting because that's not a very Vince McMahon like move. Yeah, well, you know. Wasn't like Big Show had anything else going on in his life. <laughs> well, you know, and but I but I think that that you know they they needed to do that. I mean the the history of John Cena, you know, is just so entwined with those three guys. You you couldn't ignore it. And yeah, but if it was back in the WCW days, there is no way in hell that Joe, that Vince McMahon would have acknowledged. Uh, guys that are now on the enemy side. Is is that a, a sign of almost disrespect to AEW? No, I think times have changed, and I, I and I legitimately don't believe that Vince McMahon thinks that AEW is a threat. Well, so, that's what I'm saying. You know, he's it? got a and he's got a great relationship supposedly with with, with the Chris Jericho and Daniel Bryan. So. You know what? It was it's similar to like when I believe they let uh, Christian, when he was back in WWE, get inducted into the Impact Hall of Fame, or you know The Rock doing something for Ken Shamrock. You know, when you've done as much as they have, and I'm pretty sure Chris Jericho called Vince McMahon himself. You know, to say, "Hey, I'd love to be a part of this." Blah blah blah. And, and Vince probably said absolutely because there's certain people that he would do that for. Now, would he do it for somebody who he had an issue with? You know, so Miro had a big uh, deal with John Cena for a while when he got over, but maybe that relationship isn't something where Vince McMahon wants to allow that to happen on his TV. Fair enough. I, I just thought it was very interesting because it was a very un Vince McMahon like thing to do, and I thought it was a classy move. For those guys to to do that for John Cena, yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, I was surprised, but I get it on certain people, and then I'm pretty sure Vince might have been approached by three other guys, and they were. He was like, "Hell no, that ain't happening." <laughs> well, and I I did want to ask you guys about this, and I and I mentioned this last night when I 
I did a show. The the legacy of John Cena, you know, it's funny because when everybody talks about the Mount Rushmore, about their Mount Rushmore, no one, almost nobody says John Cena's name. But does he belong there? Is, is John no. Cena one of the 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 top four or five wrestlers of all time? Should he really? Oh, Austin Rock already is the three. I mean, why does John Cena not get that kind of respect? Uh, because Austin Rock, Hogan, Flair, they changed you know the wrestling business. Cena came in at a time, and he may have carried the company. It's like Roman Reigns. You know, they give they can call him the greatest champion of all time or whatever. But you know, Hulk Hogan carried the company for years. You know, Austin and The Rock when they were when they were trailing WCW, those were the two guys that for the forefront made you know Vince McMahon tons of money. Not saying John Cena didn't, but John Cena was kind of thrust into a role when they had Mankind and Triple H and Austin and The Rock. He didn't have to single-handedly carry a company. But but didn't John Cena make make wrestling kind of more likable, if you know what I mean? It it it, it, it Cena is the kind of person that. You know, you know the Make a Wish stuff, and more than anybody in history, over six hundred Make a Wishes. You know, it just—I don't know. There was just something that he outreached more than anybody I think ever did in terms of just being that kind of person that people wanted to be around, as opposed to just being. Well, a maybe he should you know be I mean? in the Mount Rushmore of people, but that doesn't mean he should be. You know, go ask. Uh... You know, the guy who was with Mickey James, what a great guy John Cena was. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, we got to wrap it up, guys. Thanks for being with us. Hey, follow us on Twitter at Mark Oak Show, Facebook, The Mark Oak Show, MarkOakShow.com, and get those podcasts, MarkOakShow.podbean.com, and all your favorite podcast outlets. For Andrew Fish, Fame, Joe DeFalco, I'm Mark Oak. Thanks for being with us. We certainly do appreciate it. We'll see you next time on The Mark Oak Show on KDWN, 101.5 FM, 720 AM. Have a great 4th of July, Las Vegas. We'll see you next time. Happy birthday, America. Acknowledge us. <laughs> Want more of The Mark Hoke Show? Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show. Like us on Facebook at The Mark Hoke Show. And visit MarkHokeShow.com to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at The Mark Hoke Show. And download our podcasts at MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join The Mark Hoke Show family today, and thanks for listening.